Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Another great one this week. I'm interviewing Dr. Wesley Fox. Now, Dr. Fox, a little bit different. He once had a regular clinic doing, you know, just the the standard medicine thing. And he decided, you know, let me let me look at this and, and let me think of how I can better serve clients where they are, and then also how I can better serve uh, my family by having just a little bit more time. So he. About four years ago, decided to move into telemedicine, virtual medicine, um, working with, with clients, um, with patients online through Zoom and telephone calls and things like that. Definitely is a growing field right now. Um, I actually have used telemedicine in, in uh, my, my job. I talk a little bit about that in the interview. Um, but it, it, was, it was a really cool conversation. He also talks about ways to relieve stress and biohack um, your immune system and all kinds of really cool things. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, it was cool to kind of learn. You know, we've been doing the same same thing for a long time and, and how we um, go to the doctor and how doctors see patients. Um, so it was cool to, to hear from someone who was doing things just a little bit different. So without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Wesley Fox. I am here today with Dr. Wesley Fox. Dr. Fox, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So we're obviously going to get all into, you know, your, your practice and, and what inspired you to get into medicine. But before we do that, tell us just a little bit about yourself outside of the medical field. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I have four kids under five. So it's a, uh, we'll call it a party every day. Um, beautiful wife. And honestly, I just live for them. I live for providing adventures and trying to um, travel as much as possible and just get out and, you know, live and experience life. Cause at the end of the day, um, that's all we're, we're really going to remember, you know, is <laughs> just all the experiences and memories and friendships that we develop. So that's my big passion is just getting out. And um, I do everything from golf to hiking, biking. I'm just a, an outdoor enthusiast. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that you know, I'm definitely not the first person to, to say it. And I think that you, based on kind of your, your story that I've read that we're going to get into, you, know, you, you kind of took a step back and realized that, um, you know, when, when you're on your deathbed, you're not necessarily going to be thinking, oh, man, I wish I would have worked a little bit more. So I think that you're, you're kind of, you, you realize what's valuable and what's important. And, and that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. What was crazy is, um, I didn't always think like that and I don't think most people do in the beginning or if ever. And one of my mentors, it was kind of weird at the time, but I kind of, I got it now. Um, he had me go into a hospital into, um, I don't remember what the type, but the, the area of the hospital where people were just like essentially on their deathbeds almost, um, and just talk to them, get to know them and learn about them and hear their stories. And, literally the most common word I ever heard was they, all the regrets that they had was regretted this or regretted not seeing this person or regretted taking this trip or trying this new thing or this experience. It was regret, regret, regret. And they wish they could do it over and they knew that they couldn't. And from that moment, I was like, there's more things to life than money and work. 
And I want to make sure that I do those things. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. That's sad to hear for, for them. But I guess if, if, if you can spread that message to more people, then hopefully you, that doesn't happen as often. Absolutely. Yeah. So if we could, let's just kind of get into um, your, you know, your, your medical profession. What inspires you to, to go into medicine in, in the beginning? Yeah. So um, it was kind of weird. I probably like most people, um, you know, parents wanted me to be a specific type of doctor. It was like, you had to be a lawyer, an engineer, doctor, whatever, something high up. And so I kind of went down those roads and um, went to school, went to Baylor, did all the pre-medicine and um, went and did some shadowing and just um, was in a practice and just wasn't fun. You know, people were coming in and just, they were sick, not happy, um, just wasn't fun. And I was like, I don't know how they can keep doing this. And um, I met a chiropractor actually, and um, he invited me into his practice and he's like, Hey, I just want you to come by and check out how fun it is and what they do. And um, he did like just blood work and high performance medicine and all sorts of fun stuff. And I went in there and I was just like, wow, like this was before I even took any further steps into the healthcare field. I was like, people are just like on fire. They're in control of their life. They feel good. They want to be here. They're happy. This is what I want. Like this, he, I mean, he, he loved it. He was just, you know, full of energy and, you know, it was fun for him. And I was like, okay, there's something to this, um, newer age of healthcare. And so then that, that's when I took the steps into the functional medicine and just building the practice that I have today. Yeah. So b- before that, I mean, had you, you had practiced like in, yes. in just like the family medicine or what were you doing before? Um, so I went down, I actually chose to go down the road of becoming a, a chiropractor first and then doing functional mm-hmm. medicine and then genetics and high performance medicine. Um, so I had a practice where I did all of that in there. Um, genetics, high performance medicine, functional medicine, blood work, everything, um, brick and mortar. Then kind of got to a point where I was spending more time in the office helping people, which is great. Um, but less time with my family. And so I, I kind of just had to sit back and say, well, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life because I have friends and mentors and doctor friends who've done that and they didn't really enjoy it. I was like, so how can I still help people, but still have time with my family? So then I found a way to essentially bring everything that I did virtually online. Yeah. So that's obviously an awesome segue into speaking a little bit more about your virtual clinic. Tell us a little bit more about that, that clinic. Um, yep. you, you've, you've kind of already mentioned why you, you decided to do it to kind of get away from the, the daily grind of having to just see patients and not see your family. But tell us just a little bit more about the clinic. So, um, yeah, once we got to that brick and mortar point, number one, I mean, we hit a ceiling. Uh, I believe every brick and mortar tends to hit a ceiling regardless of the, um, the business. Like there's only so many people you can see or do. Um, and then two is just, yeah, we, we kind of transitioned everything over and, you know, obviously we're all in a pandemic right now. And now, now I look like I made the right move. Right. Um, cause everything's going virtual, but, um, yeah, essentially I had to figure out how to take what I knew and provide it to everyone anywhere. And so we essentially developed a way to provide high level care through virtual, through zoom, through FaceTime, through phone, because at the end of the day, um, you really don't need to see a, per- a doctor in person unless they're performing a surgery or an actual treatment on you. 
Otherwise, why would you have to drive all the way in to see someone to talk to them face to face or get a prescription or whatever it may be? It doesn't make any sense. And so all of our healthcare, it's all concierge based. Like I can do everything from the, the, the convenience of your home. I can get all the testing done without you ever having to really step foot in a lab most of the time. And it just, it really, healthcare has been stuck in this 19th century model where it's very archaic and old school. It's time to bring it to more of the 21st, 22nd century where, you know, you should be able to get better from your house, from your computer, from your laptop, from anywhere in the world and have complete access to performance medicine everywhere, every second. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned that, that you kind of did it before the pandemic. How long have you, you had this virtual clinic? Um, almost four years now. So um, I kind of knew that I didn't know there was a pandemic coming, but I just knew <laughs> how business works and for technology to continue to grow, old things would have to disappear. So I kind of knew brick and mortar wasn't going to be around forever. Um, and I just don't see it really being around forever now. And now people are starting to see that. And I knew healthcare was never going to be the same as far as like just going into your doctor, spending five minutes with them, walking out with a prescription. That's not healthcare. And there is a new age in healthcare, which it's, it's that performance healthcare. It's the one where it's, it's a sustainable long-term solution to people's health. And it's also customized and individualized to the specific person to address their root physiological problems versus, you know, an emergency problem or treating a symptom or having a surgery or needing a drug to try to fix an internal problem. Yeah. So I guess one question I'd have, you mentioned that you uh, had previously worked in, in uh, chiropractics. How does, how does that translate into you know, your, your virtual practice now? So that part does not, um, yeah. the, the philosophies of it do essentially what I tell people to do is in their local areas, if they want to go to a chiropractor, that would be very helpful to them and to their body. Um, I essentially take care of everything internally for that specific person. So if they need any physical therapy or chiropractic care, there's chiropractors and PTs all around the world. Like you don't have to see me. Um, so that part of the practice is no longer existent. Now I still, I still will see people on the side for like who really want care, um, but it is not really a part of my practice whatsoever. Yeah. So what, what kind of uh, issues do people come to you with, or is it just kind of really run the, the gamut? Um, I would say some of the common ones would be uh, fatigue, energy issues, brain fogs, sleep issues, stress, anxiety. Those are probably some big ones. Um, but then, yeah, we get like cancers, autoimmune diseases, weight gain, weight loss, you know, just pretty much every health issue you can think of, but some of those main ones are the common ones. I gotcha. So, I mean, I'll tell you with, with my, you know, my, my day job, my employer, we actually, we use a, a virtual clinic. I don't know whether they're, you know, a competitor with you, but we use Teladoc. So it's kind of, I'm kind of used to uh -huh. having, having a, a virtual clinic and them kind of recommending us use it if it's just small things. But I, but from my understanding, um, you did get a little bit of, I guess, pushback and, and naysayers. So why do you think that is? And, and why, why were there people that maybe were hesitant about this, the virtual clinic? Um, it was more, I wouldn't say it was necessarily, I mean, it was a little bit from people, but it actually was probably more from doctors because they, people have this, you know, thing where you have to see a doctor in person. Um, but like you just said, now doctors are having to go telemedicine anyways. Um, I just, I don't, 
it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't much of a pushback. It was that they didn't believe that you could help people virtually more or less. Um, they thought you had to physically like speak to them in person and, you know, the level of healthcare that we provide to people, I mean, it doesn't really, there's only a handful of doctors that actually do the level of care that we do. Cause even if a doctor goes telemedicine, if they're just bringing their same archaic old school model from brick and mortar to online, they really haven't changed anything. They just changed their distribution model. They haven't changed their actual delivery of healthcare in a way. So we're one of the first people along with a handful of other, other doctors where we do like true full spectrum, like, open up the hood of the car type of healthcare. We're not doing it based on like, Hey, Johnny's coming in and he's got some symptoms and let's, you know, let's try to treat a symptom. We're, 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 we're opening up that hood and trying to get true diagnostics of what's really happening in the body. So you, I mean, yeah. you kind of, you kind of work in, in hand in hand in tandem with maybe their, the regular physician, not you're, you're not necessarily somebody's primary physician at this point. No, I, and I don't want to be their primary physician. I just want to, I want to make sure that they're actually doing the right things. Cause I mean, I just had a, a friend get, go into a primary physician and his appointment was five minutes long and mm. he's getting some blood work and then that's it. That's not the care that I want to, I, I provide to people. My care is like, I'm with you for months, making sure like we're addressing every nook and cranny inside of the spectrum of health. Um, and that requires a lot of work that doesn't require a visit and then checking back in three to six months later. That's a different, that's a different, um, healthcare protocol and it works for people and there's nothing wrong with that. And I always tell people, if you have a regular doctor, I mean, by all means, go ahead and still get your yearly checkups. That's not a problem. It's just their main, their main concern is to just check to see if you're healthy. They don't really know how to get healthy. A lot of times they don't know a lot of those things. They're, they're meant to be more of a diagnostic most of the time. So we're trying to take it to that next step of like, we know you have these issues you do about them because getting healthy requires work on your side and my side. Um, the missing piece in healthcare right now is it used to be that they just relied on their doctor and the advice was like, Hey, try to eat some more fruits and vegetables and then come back in six months and let's retest it or go lift some weights or go exercise. That's not really technically going to get someone healthy in today's age. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I have, several family members that are in medicine. And I think that that's kind of a, an issue. Not, I mean, there's a lot of them that they don't necessarily want it to just be, you know, a five minute conversation, but that's kind of what they've been pushed to do now. They can't, they're not even really even allowed to do anything else. No, I have a, I have a lot of doctor friends and they, they, uh, a lot of them are leaving practice because they, they, they're not in control of what they're doing and they're not doing their ideal clinic that how they want to. So it's kind of unfair. Absolutely. It's, it is really unfair. And that's why, you know, a lot of doctor friends are doing their own startup practices or their own telemedicine thing, or just kind of moving on their own because why would you go to school all this time and not really be able to do what you want to do? Right. Right. That's a question. I don't know whether you can answer or not. Um, but I know, you know, in, in medicine, at least in, in U S health, we do, you know, kind of what you were mentioning, we focus on, having an issue and trying to treat it rather than preventing the issues from happening to begin with. Is right. that, is that a, um, you know, a medical thing as a whole, or is that a U.S. problem we have? Do, do other countries kind of, do they look at things differently or is everyone kind of just, um, they don't really do preventative medicine and more kind of diagnostic type stuff? Um, I think what you're seeing now is more and more people are shifting to preventative medicine. Um, 
because a lot of people are getting tired of not getting better. So I mean, like, I, I don't think it's a worldwide thing. I think because I have doctors in different parts of the world and different parts of the country and their healthcare is completely different. What they do, how they take care of themselves, how they eat, they have different access to things. Um, it's mainly like a US Europe type of thing where um, it's, yeah, I don't know how we got here. I, I really don't know how healthcare got to this point because when you look at our healthcare in general, we're, we're pretty bad. For all the money that we spend on healthcare and all the access and technology that we're supposed to have, we have a lot of sick people on this planet in North America right now. So something's missing. And I think doctors are starting to wake up. It's like, okay, people are not really getting better. And we're having more and more people have health issues at an earlier and earlier age, which it never used to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. You may not, I mean, you may not agree with me here, but I think there's one of the issues is not just in in medicine, it's in the insurance field. Cause my mom actually, she tried to do a, go to a preventative medicine doctor and the insurance just like, no, we don't cover that type of thing. We don't do preventative. So I feel like maybe there'd be more doctors that would be interested in it if, 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 you know, they could get insurance to to cover anything like that. Oh, I totally agree with you. Um, Insurance is a, I think it's not fair. I think there are, you know, they have small aspects that they'll cover, but you would think <laughs> if it was a health insurance that they would pay for health, right? Um, a lot of times they don't. And so it's not really health. I don't really call it healthcare insurance because it's not, it's, it's more of like emergencies. It's like emergency healthcare. It's not like health, health and wellness. It's emergency healthcare. Um, insurances don't want to cover a lot of things. And a lot of times doctors, you know, the reason why they leave insurances is because insurance companies don't want to pay the doctors. So now the doctor really can't make a living. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, so, I mean, it goes, it goes every way. Like the, <laughs> the, the, the clients who come in that want to use their insurance, they're unhappy that they can't use their insurance. Then the doctors are mad because insurance companies aren't paying them what they should be paid. And I have a lot of doctors, friends that had to go out of business because, you know, they have a family too. And everyone thinks doctors make millions of dollars a year that is not necessarily the truth anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I know with, with, you know, the experiences I've had with, with virtual medicine that, you know, I don't know whether this is actually the case or, or not, but you kind of mentioned that you, you talk to, to clients from, from all over the place. I know with, with the virtual medicine that I've had to deal with, they, they act like they have to get you a certain doctor that's licensed in your state is not, not really a, a thing. Um, if they're trying to diagnose you, yeah, that's a thing. Um, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to diagnose people. That's, that's a different, that's a, if you want to go get a diagnosis, then go get a diagnosis. We're trying to find physiological abnormalities. Mm-hmm. That's not diagnostic. It's a diagnostic test, but that's not something that the reason for telemedicine is insurance or anyone to do that. Yeah. They want a licensed physician to do telemedicine, but you can, you can absolutely work with people and not have to do any diagnostic as far as a diagnosis code. I gotcha. I that's, gotcha. that's their protective mechanism is you have to, if you're going to work with someone and try to diagnose them, then you have to, um, yeah, you want to make sure you're licensed in that specific area. I gotcha. So from my understanding, one area that you really focus pretty heavily on with, with the clients that you serve is, you know, stress management and why, you know, people are so stressed these days. So if you would talk a little bit about, you know, why, why we are all so stressed. That's the golden question, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think we're just, honestly, I, 
I feel like we've we've gone forward, but we've gone backwards. Um, we've had we've added such a fast pace to our lifestyle. We think we need all this money, all this material, all this go go go. We're constantly just being exposed to phone. We're just we're not we're not allowed to turn off. You go to any other country, Greece, and you know all these other just slower paced areas. They're happier. They're healthier. A lot of times they're not as stressed out. They live longer. Um, it's because we've added this stress to ourselves. We're in a rat race. And until you take yourself out of that rat race or have stress coping techniques, I mean, there's always something that someone is stressing about, whether it could be health, money, uh, what's going on in the world. It's just fear, stress, stress, fear, chronic stress. We're not meant to be always stressed out. We're meant to like have a stressor and get that response. And then we're meant to go back down to normal. But right now we haven't been able to go back down to a normal. And it's been like that for a long time. And that's why people have all these chronic health issues. And you hear about kids and all sorts of people like just getting health issues that you and I never got before when we were growing up. It's because we're under a constant amount of stress. So, so what kind of health issues are we talking about that, that stress induced? I mean, it could really be anything. I mean, they're starting to find that stress can be a root cause of almost every disease process out there because if the body wasn't stressed, then why would the body produce a negative response? So the body has to be stressed to some point, whether it's internal, physical, mental, emotional, there has to be a stressor to produce a negative outcome in the body. Because if we were in a non-stressed environment and our body perceived ourselves as not being stressed, then it wouldn't really produce any of the chemical and physical and any of the interactions that are happening in the body that are due to a stress response. So, I mean, obviously I don't see, you know, life really slowing down for, for our society. So what, what, what do we do to, to try to manage this? Is it just learning how to cope with stress or, or what Um, what are your suggestions there? Yeah, it's just, you're going to have to do stress management. Um, People that are alive now have to, they really have to go above and beyond to stay healthy. So the old, the old adage of not being in control and not really having to focus in on your health, that doesn't exist. If you want to be healthy and happy till your 60s, 80s, 90s, you're going to have to be proactive now. And yeah, that's going to be learning stress management techniques. That's going to be getting help from people like, you know, in your, your telemedicine field over there or people like me, you're going to have to make, it's no different than you have life coaches and therapists and all this stuff health coach or uh, concierge doc or what, whoever it may be, it's going to be a very um, important part in people's lives to stay healthy. And so, you know, stress management. Yeah. That could be things like, um, I mean, yeah, going out for a walk, you know, that could be doing some infrared sauna work. That could be some cold therapies, meditation. Everyone knows stress management techniques, but they don't always do them. Um, a lot of it too is how, how do you perceive yourself? You know, do you, do you have high self-esteem? Do you love yourself? Like that, that plays a really big role in stress and stress management too. So, um, there's no, there's a million ways to, to remove stress. Um, those are some of the big ones, but at at the end of the day, it's, yeah, you got to eat better. You got to have clean water. You got to have clean air. You got to move. You got to get exposure to sunlight. You got to sleep. You can do those things. You're already on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you're an expert in a lot of other areas too, and I don't want to take up too much time. So let's just pick one of them and we'll kind of tease the other. So I know that you, you talk about your fat and weight loss, about rituals and routines, and then also about biohacking your immune system. 
I'm sure right. you've talked about all of them, you know, on, on other podcasts. So let's pick, pick your favorite or the one that you want to talk about. And, uh, and we'll send somebody to, to your other podcasts to talk about the other ones. Yeah, I would say uh, routines and habits are probably my biggest thing for most people. Um, okay. You can biohack immune systems and do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a good routine and habit, you can biohack the immune system till the cows come home and it's just going to go right back to where it wants to go. Um, I, I, I just, people do not set good routines and habits and goals and they wonder why they don't have what they want, whether it's physical, emotional relationships, it doesn't matter. Um, I always give the one really amazing, it was a study that my buddy did for his PhD and it was a long time ago and it makes a lot of sense. Um, they took a, I don't know if it was a Navy SEAL, a military person and what they did is they put him through a physical stress test. And so they had him walk on a treadmill on an incline and they kept pushing the incline up higher and higher and higher. Essentially he had to walk till like hundred percent total exertion till he couldn't go anymore. So first time he did it, he did it for like 26 minutes and then he was like, I'm done. I can't go any farther. And then the, the person that was holding the, the test, which was my friend, he said, Oh, good job. You know, you went for 27 minutes and 30 seconds, even though he didn't, he only went for 26 minutes, but he told the person, Hey, yeah, you went for 27 minutes and 30 seconds. Great job. So the next week, same exact test, did it again. But this time they put a clock in front of him, right? So he could actually see the time going by. And what happened? He ended up going for 28 minutes because he, he already knew he did 27.30, but he never did actually. So he went 28 minutes. And then the next week he did it again, no clock. And he went for like 25 minutes. And he was like, I'm done. I can't go anymore. And the guy was like, yeah, you went for almost like 29 minutes. And he's like, wow, I beat my time before. And then he put a clock in one more time a week later and the guy went for like 30 minutes and he told him what happened at the end. He's like, oh my God. He's like, I didn't know that. And a lot of people, whether it's health related or entrepreneurial related, doesn't really matter. They don't, number one, they don't set goals and your body and your brain cannot give you what you want. If you do not give it a goal. If you do not believe that you can be healthy, you don't see yourself being healthy. You don't see yourself being that ideal weight or having that energy or sleeping at night. Good luck getting there. You know, if you don't, number one is you got to have that belief and you got to have attainable goals to get there. You can't, people don't come to me and they're like, I want to be healthy. What does that mean? You got to, so I help people develop their goals of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. They have energy issues and all that. I just want more energy. What does that mean? Your brain needs something to attach to. It needs, it needs a goal. And so I develop their health goals for them so they can accomplish it. And so I would say habits and routines, as far as what are you doing in the morning? How are you setting yourself up to start your day? Are you doing some gratitude? Are you getting up and moving? Are you priming your body to actually have a good day? Are you doing, whether that's affirmations, writing goals down, why do we do that? Do we want to do it all the time? No, but it's to give your brain something to focus on because if you don't, then it's going to focus on nothing. And a lot of times that's what you're going to get. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's really huge. I, I've talked to several people that are you know, in, in the mental health field, whether they suffer from, from you know, depression or, or or they're actually in the field, but that's a huge thing that's always mentioned is his routines. One gentleman I was talking about who, who suffers from, uh, you know, clinical depression is talking about how, you know, his, his whole life has been trying to create a routine in order to kind of get him through the day. So it was kind of interesting to, to hear from him when he was talking about how now he's not, when it comes to COVID, he's not necessarily worried about, you know, those who have suffered from mental health issues for a long time because they're used to 
having to create these routines and reasons for getting up. Now these people who, you know, stuck at home, working from home, never created a routine, they're the ones that are, are kind of losing their purpose and people that we need to worry about now. So I, I think that that kind of just translates once again, how important routines are based on what you're saying. Yeah. And that, and um, really making it digestible. So what I mean by that is it has to be something that you can do. And a lot of my routines, they're like five minutes here, five minutes there. People can't do these. Like if they think if I say, Hey, you, you got to go work out at the gym for an hour versus, Hey, can you do this five minute, like quick workout? Oh yeah, I can do a five minute quick workout. Cool. So a lot of times people don't develop the right habits and routines because they try to make them so extravagant and so difficult. Whereas I, I'd rather just make it simple. Like, do you make a morning cup of coffee every day? How long does that take you? Ah, five minutes. Do you think you could do like an easy body weight workout while you're waiting for that cup of coffee? Cause you make your cup of coffee every day. So let's just add that in and you're already one step to being healthier. Hey, do you think you could go out and do a five minute walk and just name out some things that you're grateful for five minutes? That's all I'm asking. But those five minutes every day are compounded and they turn into major health changes. So my biggest thing for people is make it small. You can have big goals. I get that but make small steps every day of attainable things that you can accomplish because then you'll get that bigger picture down the road. I gotcha. No, I'll tell you, this has been extremely valuable. Um, how, how do, how do people reach out to you? Should they want to hear more? I don't know exactly how your, your clinic works. If, if you necessarily accept, you know, people that, that are interested in that, but how can, how can people reach out to you? Yeah. So they can go to my website, drwestfox.com and they can just hit the chat with Dr. Fox. Um, there's resources on there. A lot of different things they have access to. Um, essentially what, what I do is just, it's easier to talk and see where they're at, what they're trying to accomplish, where they're, where they're trying to go. And then I just point them down the right direction as far as like maybe working with me is a good fit. Maybe not. Maybe I point them into some doctors in their area to kind of get them down the right pathways, but just having a conversation to see what's going on. That's typically the first step that people take. And then I kind of point them in the right direction of like, a lot of times it might just be a resource that they're lacking and that they need. And then I can kind of give them those resources. Yeah. I think that first step is what people are always so afraid of. So, I mean, exactly what does that, that first step look like? What, what should people, you know, that are interested in talking to you, what should they, they come to you? Um, I guess, First, expecting the conversation to, to be and, you know, reasons they should, they should be reaching out to you. Yeah. So essentially, um, you know, the first step would be like, if, if you see stuff on the website that you like, that helps great. You know, there's articles and blogs and little things here and there. Um, if they want to chat with me, I make it a low barrier entry to just be able to chat. Um, and I'm not expecting them to really work with me. I just, the main the main, the main time that we talk together, it's really, I'm just hearing everything they have to say about their life, what's going on, their problems. And I'm just trying to develop action plans for them. And I try to give them something that they can walk away with and leave with whether they work with me or not. Um, and I give them options of like, Hey, you want to work with me? Like, this is what it looks like. This is what we can do. If not, like try to implement these couple things. And I think it can drastically change your life. So we want to make sure that they walk away with everything that they need regardless. I gotcha. No, this has been a, a, a very uh, eye-opening conversation and, and one that I think a lot of people will get something out of. So I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And that was my interview with Dr. Wesley Fox. 
hope you enjoyed it. I uh, really enjoyed speaking with him. Really cool guy. Um, I, I think that it's it's really interesting when people start doing something that just um, hasn't been done a lot. You know, we, we are starting to do a lot more telemedicine and, and things like that. Um, but combining it with telemedicine and then, you know, the, I guess, the more progressive um, finding root causes of issues before they create further issues, uh, some of that preventative thing. So really enjoyed speaking with him. Um, you know, if it's something that you're interested in, I urge you to check out his website. Um, but hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks so much for being here. Hope to see you next time and take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.